0: Good evening and welcome once again to another episode of Gil and Roscoe's Budacious Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Roscoe Harold Vacant, and I'm joined as ever uh, by my dear friend and colleague, Mr. Gil Rokutansky. Gil, how the devil are you?
1: I'm fucking freaking out, that's how I am. You're trying to do a normal podcast, and I'm stuck in fucking 1963 with you, causing my stupid fucking time travel experiments going all fucking tits up. And you're just trying to act like everything's fucking normal?
0: Well, the show needs to be produced, man! We can't go another week!
1: Will you stop hiding in that fucking bin? Get out of the bin! Right? Get out of the bin and just hide behind this wall with me.
0: Okay, no worries, man.
1: Right. fuck's sake! It's... It's just a catastrophe! there's fucking world war going on round about Is just cause I've fucked up and you're trying to be all, oh hello, welcome to the podcast, oh we'll be right back after that, and there's going to be nothing to come back after, cause everything's going to get blown up.
0: I just don't understand why you did this, girl. I mean, What went wrong? What went wrong in the timeline?
1: Well, it also kind of went a wee bit wrong in my brain and my planning. Cause I, I came back to 1963 with like 15 pounds in my pocket. I thought uh-huh. that would make me, like, king of the world, you know, like, richest man uh-huh. ever. Sure. But, you know, it's all pre decimalisation and, oh. you know, they don't use the same notes, so mm-hmm. I I was just skint, ended up just busking for making a bit of money, and I only know songs from, like, our time, so, uh-huh. you know, everybody really liked them, next thing you know. I am, like, king of the world, doing pure fucking awesome. Like headline act at the Royal Variety performance and then wow. Then I I did the pistols version of God Save the Queen.
0: Oh right, that wouldn't have went down very well.
1: No, turns out David Icke's right. Really? Yeah, uh, she turned into a giant Godzilla lizard, which is her true form, and she's like totally after me.
0: Yes she has now! Huh?
1: Right, what are we gonna do? How how can we kill
0: the queen? Um, oh, what about a, a sneezing baby panda gun? You tried that?
1: Not yet. I'll
0: give it a try. Go for it.
1: <laughs> well, that didn't work. What about the screams of female pledge or rocket launcher?
0: Okay, well let me try it. <sighs> And she's down! I know. She seemed keen, didn't she? She did. My
1: goodness. (laughs) Did you see see the way that rocket hit her?
0: I know. My goodness.
1: She took it all in the mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. She's getting back up. Oh, God. What about back up? Are the rebel forces gathering in the north?
1: Uh, no, if anything, the North is a worse place for me, because all the Merseybeat bands, they are really pissed off. <laughs> you know, they're all going, well, I've got this song half-written. That's from last week. This, this guy's got the whole song. Where did he get it from? And, you know...
0: Ah. So what are you going to do? How are we going to get get out of this perilous situation?
1: I don't know. I, I think what we have to do is try and get back to the guilders. Uh-huh and then if we can do a proper podcast, like maybe from the safety of my time travelling machine, Mm -hmm. then we will be able to sort out the timeline, but I mean, as it is at the moment, everything's fucked The Beatles got in such a big fight last night that Ringo now is the best drummer in the band
0: If only there was some loophole, some episode that hadn't yet been recorded in our timeline that we could go back and record that episode that would potentially write the timeline and save humanity from its certain doom.
1: But we've never made a mistake with the episode numbers. Never? You know, uh, look, uh, 1, 2, 3, 4... Uh, 45, 46, 47, 49, 50... Wait a minute! What?! We, we could make the mythical episode 48. And hopefully save the world.
0: But we need a theme.
1: I don't know. Uh, Ted? That's a good time
0: travel theme.
1: And yep. it's pretty current because everybody's talking about you know whether the third
0: film will get made. Exactly. We could do that, or we could do Back to the Future series.
1: Uh, I'm wearing Back to the Future boxer shots at the moment.
0: Dude, like, that is awesome.
1: That's sorted then. Oh wait a minute, they 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 don't really have much horror in them. I don't. If only there was like some sort of time travel based film series or TV series or something that also scares people.
0: Uh, Leave it to beaver?
1: That just terrifies people that doesn't time travel. Never fear the beaver though, that's my motto. <laughs> fear no beaver. Doctor Who? I, I don't know. <laughs> you mean the uh, casualty? Is, is that what you mean?
0: <laughs> no, I mean the legendary BBC series that's been running for 50 years, that celebrates its 50th anniversary, and it possibly be timely to go back and represent and, and make up an episode that we could launch in the week of the 50th anniversary special.
1: But we're in 1963, so it hasn't started yet.
0: Well, I'm sure your time-travelling escapades could sort that.
1: Right, let's get back to the guilders, and we'll quickly see if we can watch some of this Doctor Who thing that you're talking about, and then we'll try and construct a whole show about it.
0: Yep. So we need a particularly long intro that would give us time to do that and to travel through the workings of time and space. Do you have yep. such a tune?
1: Uh, I, I think I do.
2: Doctor Who? Doctor Who?
0: Okay guys, so we're back to the safety of the guilders and we're going to be discussing The Five Doctors, which is the Doctor Who 20th anniversary special. Uh, it was directed by Peter Moffat, no relation I don't know, uh, John Nathan Turner um, and Pen- Pennant Roberts. Uh, it was written by Terence Dix um, along with Douglas Adams and Eric Solward. So there we go, illustrious names indeed. Yep. It stars Peter Davison Um, and it was during his run as the Doctor.
1: Wait a minute, Um, I'll just mute the gilders because it's a bit noisy. (laughs) I just like having that sound on in the background, but it really can't just be turned down.
0: Doesn't he do anything, right? No. Um, no. John Pertwee, um, Patrick Troughton, Richard Arndell, who is portraying William Hartnell's Doctor, the First Doctor, um, Tom Baker, uh, using archive footage. Apparently William Hartnell was you. there was archive footage of William Hartnell used as well, I didn't realise that. Um, Jeanette Fielding as Teagan, uh, Mark Strixon as Turlow, Elizabeth Sladen as Sarah Jane, Caroline um, Fulte as Susan Foreman, Nicholas Courtney as Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart and Anthony Ainley as the Master.
1: And Lala Ward
0: and Lala Ward as Romana. Or,
1: or Layla Ward. Romana! Oh.
0: Okay, cool. So, there we go. So, so who, who, was, who was she? Was she. Um,
1: In the boat with Tom Baker?
0: Ah, see, right. Okay, cool.
1: The footage okay. from Shadow.
0: Mm, okay. So, it's possibly worth. Uh, a, a, we'll do a, a short synopsis uh, first. Oh, God. What Sorry, that's... Uh, some just you, exploded in the Gildas. What are you um, doing to my machine? Man?
1: <laughs> what, have a bit of respect.
0: A mysterious figure begins to use a time scoop to bring the previous incarnations of the Doctor, some of his former companions and arch enemies, into the death zone on Gallifrey. So we have the... Well, the first, second and third Doctors who are brought into the zone, um, as well as the fourth Doctor Who gets trapped in a time vortex
1: yeah that was handy wasn't it because Tom Baker refused to have anything to do with yeah. the, the anniversary because he, yep. he felt that he was a bit typecast sure. at the time you know uh, <laughs> Tom Doctor Who Baker felt he was typecast, <laughs> typecast in that so. yeah
0: so I mean the, for publicity shots for this they actually used uh, a waxwork would you believe um, of Tom Baker uh for everybody else was themselves along with the companions but used a full-size wax of tom baker to give the illusion that it was all five doctors that were involved
1: i think they should have just uh had the the wax in some of the episodes <laughs> <laughs> just wheeling it about on a little trolley
0: <laughs> yeah so um obviously this is as we said before this is part of peter davison's run as a doctor um uh, you know, you know. I thought this was great. I thought it was really good, and I th- I think it's really interesting who who wrote it as well. It was, I I didn't realise that when we were watching it. Um, uh, Douglas I still- Adams and Terence Stack, sorry. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, Douglas Adams got involved in Doctor mm-hmm. Who in the kind of late seventies, uh-huh. uh, roughly at the same time as he was doing Hitchhiker's Guide as well. In fact, he uh-huh. was he was working on the novelisation of Hitchhiker's Guide whilst also trying to write the second series The Hitchhiker's Guide and working on Doctor Who and he's got a, a nice anecdote about how somebody else was supposed to write some stuff and mm-hmm. I think it was four episodes and it ended up that he wrote the the whole four episode series over one weekend whilst uh-huh. one of the producers was filling them with whiskey and black coffee
0: Uh huh. Awesome Well Douglas Adams I'm seeing didn't actually write this, he wrote the Shada segments yep. so they, they were it was it was that but Terence Sticks, obviously the one of the original writers on the series was involved and an author that's well known to, to, to a lot of people as well Um so that was pretty awesome. So um
1: have you watched a lot of Doctor Who like through your
0: I've, I'll be honest man I haven't I mean my my, my kind of doctor I suppose was um, Sylvester McCoy yeah. who I watched because that was the time that I was I was getting into. Um when I was at the the right age to be watching Doctor Who uh was Sylvester McCoy. So he was really the only one that I knew fairly well. And I mean in terms of storylines it's been a very, very long time and I am i don't remember anything about that. My, my kind of earliest memory, I suppose, of Doctor Who is, is, is Sylvester McCoy, but my kind of most lucid memory is the, the, the crossover special, um, the EastEnders crossover special, Dimensions in Time, oh. which is a pretty rubbish first memory of Doctor Who, to be honest.
1: That is. You know, that was actually shown on Noel's house party.
0: It was, yeah. So... Uh, it was there was it was shown over two nights and people were able to vote whether was it Mandy or Big Ron, um, aided the doctor, um. So there was a, a phone in vote, yeah. Where you would be able to to vote whether it was Mandy or Big Ron that, that came to the doctor's aid, and it was only like a maybe a a, a line ten, ten second segment.
1: Basically,
0: uh, where Mandy runs in, uh, just outside the Queen Vic um so it's uh it's pretty ridiculous <laughs> i was just
1: i was just thinking you can tell like the fact that people don't really hold this in high regard the fact that there's probably nobody that's going i wonder if they've still got the big
0: Ron footage <laughs> i was thinking that actually yeah, it, <laughs> was, it was uh, also in 3d
1: uh-huh as well. that's right, that
0: was, right hence dimensions and time yeah um so i mean this this for for me, that was quite interesting. the the way that Doctor Who is treated now, compared to possibly the way it was treated uh, twenty years ago in ninety three, because obviously the BBC, um, at that time had it. Uh, what was that? Sorry,
1: they had axed
0: it. Yeah, but there was actually a there was a storyline that had been written and that was in development for a Doctor Who thirtieth uh, anniversary special, but the BBC decided against. Against that, all, all of the doctors or most of all the doctors that are present in that episode, the Dimensions in Time episode, had agreed to be on board for a project. And when the when the the major thirtieth uh, anniversary event fell through, the BBC decided to just knock together this uh, as a a children's uh, special.
1: That's the best way to describe this. Actually, is just knocked
0: together. Oh, it's it's cobbled, man. It really is. It's uh, uh, it's as cobbled as the street <laughs> the streets of Corey um, <laughs> to mix metaphors. Um,
1: but it does have John Pertwee as the kind of central doctor, uh-huh. which, which I really liked.
0: That was great. Yep, because I,
1: I saw him. Uh, at, uh, they did a, a Doctor Who live thing. Oh wow which i saw at the king's theatre years and years and years ago Fantastic. and it was it was very funny as well it had a lot of uh, nice jokes and i've still got the program somewhere as well sure. sadly i didn't stick around to to get john pertwee to sign my program at the end of the night sure. i i always regret that now cuz imagine just meeting John Pertwee for 10 seconds. You know, he was Doctor Who and Wurzel Gummidge. Yeah. I mean, what a man.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that episode is very, very poorly produced, but it does feature Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which is, um, I mean, just just going back to... Well, I know we're jumping around the place, but, hey...
2: We're going to ramble.
0: T- yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> when I went to see Day of the Doctor in the cinema... um. The interesting thing about that was that after that was finished, they showed a special production, a special feature type thing where uh, it was a making of documentary. Colin Baker uh, was, was narrating uh, as himself uh, and then introduced himself as being the...
2: The, the Sixth Doctor! Sixth
0: Doctor, yes, absolutely. And... Um, But the interesting thing was Stephen Moffat come on and said that, you know, this is a really exciting experience to be working with Tom Baker because, as everyone who's interested in Doctor Who will know, uh, he's never reprised that role on television. But he has. Wait,
1: But he has. Well, I I tend to... The the thing with uh, Stephen Moffat that I noticed in a lot Uh of the, the stuff surrounding the 50th anniversary is he kept referring to it as... Uh, Doctor Who had been off our screens for 16 years. Sure,
0: uh-huh.
1: And within that 16 years, you did have the 30th anniversary special and you did have the 1996 TV movie.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So,
1: mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's a point that a lot of Hoovians uh-huh. or Hoovers <laughs> <laughs> will probably have been going, but it, it wasn't, but I think it kind of, it shows you more of how Stephen Moffat views those things.
0: Yep. One more point before we move on. Um, the other interesting thing is the Time Crash episode that you pointed me in the direction of the from 2007. where and it's
1: Also Peter, Children in Need.
0: Also uh, Children in Need, for, where uh, Peter Davison and um, uh, David Tennant...
1: His son-in-law.
0: Together having a conversation, um, and you know, that's I think that that conversation and how it ends is beautiful, right? But it's quite telling, um in the way that Stephen Moffat, you know, that he has a certain hierarchy of doctors that he thinks are relevant and yeah. that are important, and that he's going to put that forward. And I think Davison's probably I mean, you you were my doctor is the line that uh, that he gives. And um I think it's I think that's interesting in and of itself. That whole segment was was interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, and
0: kinda of ties in with the issues that we're talking about, about like for example, Colin Baker feeling like he was a second class citizen in terms of his involvement in the, the process um and in the fiftieth anniversary.
1: Yeah, I uh I think the the one thing that I really remember from Time Crash because I haven't rewatched it this week actually. Uh-huh. I, I probably should have. Uh-huh. But I I remember thinking that it was a bit strange to have this thing that's for kids and when they're talking about who he's met and everything is mm-hmm. and, and the master. Mm-hmm. But does he still have a beard? No. Well, a wife. <laughs> Right, and I just... Uh-huh. I, I thought, I'm not entirely sure if the Doctor would make that <laughs> You know, like, oh, he's my arch enemy. Check him out,
0: he's gay. <laughs> so are you, are you a big fan of that series, of David Tennant's run or Matt Smith's run?
1: I've watched some Ecclestone this week. Sure. I've watched some Tennant. I've watched some Matt Smith. I think the overall... Matt Smith is the best person they've had as a doctor since they brought it back.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: But I do also think that the strength of the series has has been improved since they brought it back as well. Uh-huh. But I can't, I can't really say Matt Smith is the best doctor. Yeah. Because I've got a lot of love for all of them in their own little yep. way. The whole thing about Tom Baker never involving himself in stuff, but then always kind of being willing to parody. The whole thing, yeah, that just has now got to the point where it pisses me off. Sure,
0: and I mean over the last week, uh, we've seen a kind of similar, uh, a kind of similar experience, I suppose, with uh, Christopher Eccleston. Where there's been a lot of ill feeling against Christopher Eccleston. I would say that it's completely unwarranted. It's not just a little bit unwarranted. In my opinion, it's completely unwarranted, um, because for me. Um, Christopher Eccleston is a tremendous actor. He certainly wasn't given the advantages uh, that uh, that that, for example, David Tennant has been given in terms of production values and so on. Um, and for me, uh, judging by what I've heard about things going on in the back in the background, I personally I can understand why somebody would want to then distance themselves from a uh, an experience that wasn't positive senior level people he didn't get on with. He said his face didn't fit.
1: I think he proved them wrong, though.
0: I think he did too, and I, I, I'll be honest, I prefer seeing a guy who's lots of planets have a north, who's speaking with a northern accent, speaking with his own accent, um, being himself, portraying a great original doctor to your, your David Tennant's who, who kind of have to force that, that Londoner, that southern accent to, to try and appease people.
1: I don't really mind his accent but I I am wondering what will uh, Capaldi use for his accent.
0: Sure. I know that's that's what I was thinking as well when I was when I was watching the the show. But that's it. So may, maybe better to return to <laughs> <laughs> return to sorry for the digression, Gilma. apologies. Um my apologies, well, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Like, like people, like people would not expect us to be rambling. Yeah, the exactly,
0: workplace. exactly. So we'll, we'll do, do a rambly bit.
1: We're trapped in 1963 for fuck's sake. I know exactly. We, we might, we we might never even get back to our normal time and ever be <laughs> able to upload this. I
0: know. God I God. mean, the
1: the fact is, I'm not even entirely sure how we're managing to record this because the internet hasn't been invented. We could invent the internet. <laughs> we could we could just like
0: we could be it. that soldier.
1: We could bend this whole podcast thing and just think of all the inventions that we could come up with.
0: I know, absolutely. iPod.
1: The, I was thinking the tangle teaser. Gets <laughs> it, knots out your hair. Everybody needs that. Not everybody needs an iPod. <laughs> th-
0: there we go. Yeah. So so so.
1: That'd be the new advert. Tangle teasers, because not everybody needs an iPod. <laughs> There'd be somebody trying to get knots out their hair using an iPod, and they go, "Oh wait a minute, I'll put it on shuffle."
0: No, <laughs> still,
1: still not working. What am I going to do? Yes, we should definitely so- stay away from the music thing though, because that's caused too much trouble already.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that you've learnt your lesson.
1: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to.
0: So the fifth Doctor is relaxing on the eye of Orion with Tegan and Termo, um and he starts to feel pain um, pain in his chest because his other selves are being kidnapped one by one. Uh,
1: I thought it was maybe a transient ischemic attack.
0: <laughs> so the, the time scoops, um, which... Now, the the, the effect varies. Basically, when they did the special edition for the 25th anniversary of that show, they upgraded it. Possibly before that as well, they might have done it for the VHS release, Um, but they upgraded all the special effects. Um, So we see uh, William Hartnell's uh, doctor um, being being kidnapped. Um, We see uh, Patrick Troughton's doctor uh, meeting up with Lieutenant Leftbridge-Stewart. Brigadier. Brigadier, my apologies. My apologies. Do you have any
1: idea how many people are currently, like even just now, they'll just be listening to it and they're typing? We're going we're, <laughs> to get lists like we oh. have never had lists before.
0: Well, let's just call them Doctor Who from now on.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll refer yeah. to him only as Doctor Who. <laughs> um Do you know that there was like a Peter Cushing like two Peter Cushing films where they, they use these titles as Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and they're. Yeah, so I thought it was amazing. I really hope that I get to see those because I, I, have they been released, you know?
1: Yeah, they're they're on Netflix and everything. You've never seen them? You've never <laughs> seen. Seriously, like like Dalek's Invasion Earth and all that.
0: No,
1: no, Bernard Cribbins, Roy Castle. <laughs>
0: Sorry, sorry for slamming the uh, console. Roy Castle and Bernard ribbons are both in it.
1: Yeah.
0: That is that is a lineup right there.
1: See the, the Peter Cushing films only ever dealt with the Daleks. Right. And uh were they made by Amicus? You can Google it on my console. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that uh if you hit the console just there it makes the sound of two distant nuclear explosions?
0: Really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh man.
1: But uh if you press this button here it makes the sound of karate man breaking one thousand pounds of ice with his bare hands.
0: <laughs> so this is getting a bit ross from friends here. Um the Ross was... from friends. Ross go from friends. <laughs> Except I don't have four friends to rub together. Um,
1: But you do uh, have a creaking wood bed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. um, So, (laughs) yeah, they were produced by Amicus.
1: You know what that makes me? Makes me a fucking horror hipster.
0: It It does. Those goddamn horror hipsters. Hey ho! Some people are bell ends, even in the year nineteen sixty three. So yes, so we've got uh, the the doctors are being sucked through time and being held in a, a a prison by uh well they're being held in the death zone on Gallifrey, and we also see a mysterious cloaked hand, gloved hand, moving chess pieces and and effigies of each of the doctors around a, a model um, of, of Gallifrey, and also their companions. So it's up to the fifth doctor to sort shit out. <laughs> well, to
2: it's,
1: it's, up, it's up to the fifth doctor to kind of lie on the floor going,
2: Oh, my pancreas! Oh, no! <laughs> I yeah. love
1: Peter Davison but I think it's a bit of a shame that just the the entire plot of this kind of calls for him to be mostly out of action.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um the doctor the the master is also in this and he's asked by the uh by the Jedi council or whatever the fuck <laughs> they are. Yep. He's asked by uh Voldemort uh to go <laughs> to go to Gallifrey. Rescue,
1: um, rescue Luke Skywalker, because he is he is the only hope. <laughs> oh, so many emails. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Flooding in. Yep. That's it. You need to write it snail mail. With,
1: instead of saying Rassilon, let's say Rassilon. <laughs> that's Rassilon from Battlestar Galactica.
0: Yeah, sure. So yeah, the master's sent uh, to assist the doctors in the death zone. Um, and yes, and that's Anthony Ainley. Um, no,
1: my, my uh, favorite master, I have to say.
0: I thought he was great. It was fantastic. Do you know who else was good? Everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go on any more tangents. So let's. Um, so yeah, the the, the master um, has been sent to assist the doctors. Obviously, there's questions to be asked. We're wondering why this is happening. What I mean, what is the, the, the reason for this? Well, the justification is that no one is more cunning or able to to do this and to, to carry out such a ruthless task. Um, and as the plot develops, we, we get to to see perhaps why the master has been chosen. Um, but, yeah, Gil, I mean, possibly that's enough information to yeah. let get on with it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this one, Gil?
1: Uh, I enjoy it as a as a Doctor Who story, but it's I don't know it it seems like it's been really ambitious to put the five of them mm-hmm. together, and it's Peter Davison's run, mm-hmm. but I. But his I'd role in it's minimal. Yeah, I'd I'd say that. Pertwee really mm-hmm. is the the doctor in this and it's the same with the three doctors as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. It's actually I'd say the three doctors is better mm-hmm. because William Hartnell wasn't very well, so he he just appears on, on a screen
0: sure, right, Okay.
1: all the time. But uh Patrick Troughton and John Pertwee uh-huh. just just have a a great chemistry together and the two of them are continually just their versions of the Doctor. Great. And kind of having little arguments and introducing each other as me and stuff like
0: that. We see a wee bit of that in The Five Doctors as well, don't we?
1: Yeah, but it's it's just... I'd say that out of the the two of them, The Three Doctors is a slightly stronger story. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe because it is less crowded. Sure. And that might also be one of the reasons why Stephen Moffat would have been reticent to try and kind of shoehorn all the doctors in because then you start having that kind of tightrope thing of is a doctor not in it enough or have I put them in too much? Because it's it's only 75 minutes
0: long. That's right. That's right.
1: you do kind of detract from the story the more people that you put in because you have to try and give each of them their own place to fit sure so yeah I mean The the Five Doctors is enjoyable to watch because it's it's a lot of Doctor Who's sure man sure (laughs) but at the same time it's not the the strongest story I I think if you want to watch it to to see what your favourite doctor is up to Mm-hmm. You are not really going to see that in this.
0: Sure. Well, man, I had a blast with it. I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, obviously, there's those those flaws with it. Uh, I I really liked how basically the 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 fifth doctor's idea of paradise is basically a grey British day in the dark on the mools. <laughs> um, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I I man, I really enjoyed this, and I really enjoyed the. Uh, William Hartnell doctor. Um, I thought uh, Patrick Troughton was great. Um I had I had a blast with it and I, I can understand why someone would be annoyed at Tom Baker for not being involved in it, but again you make these decisions based on based on your circumstances at any given time. Um yeah. a bit too many companions for my liking, probably would be would be um the one thing that I would I would say. Um and that's that's certainly the case in Dimensions and Time, um, where, where it's, yeah. just, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And they all look like they all look so tired and older, just, man, it's rubbish. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one, and it was great to just sit down and watch some some kind of classic Doctor Who, I suppose, Um, since it's been a while since I've been able to do that. So I, I really dug it, and I, I would encourage people to give it a look. The special edition that's that's available on DVD is is different in a lot of different ways, um, and from what I've read about it, it sounds really interesting. There's additional sequences uh, that aren't in the version that's that's online. Um, so it's worth worth a look.
1: The sex scenes a bit gratuitous though.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, yep. you're, you're right about just having too many
0: companions. F- I think like- five doctors, one cop. Yep. <laughs>
1: But if it had just had Tegan and
0: Turlough, <laughs> well, I, forget that. <laughs> I, but
1: no, I was just gonna, like if the five doctors, if uh-huh. the only companions had been Tegan and Turlough, then yeah. it, that would have been fine. Because no, it
0: wouldn't. <laughs> no, for me, man. <laughs> I, I thought they were murder.
1: No, but they have to be in it because they're in Davison's run.
0: I know, I know, but I wish they'd been incapacitated in some way.
1: Well, uh, Turlough's yeah, a secret assassin.
0: Yeah, he's,
1: uh, he's initially meant to be trying to kill the doctor,
0: that, right? Okay,
1: that's in the broader scheme of things.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Um, but and and this I thought they were terrible. <laughs> I really didn't enjoy them, and they were the ones that I thought were the poorest. Um, I would actually say the other four, well, the other three would have been better just getting on with themselves.
1: It um, was nice to see just, well,
0: Susan and Sarah. Yeah, Jade. it definitely was, and I, and I enjoyed Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart as well. That was a so yeah, it was, uh, for me it was those two that really kind of um, annoyed me. They they felt surplus to requirements.
1: The only two that technically had to, be, had to there. be I
0: know, well but they could have been they could have been as I say incapacitated in some way at the start
1: instead of the doctor.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Exactly. So
1: So yeah, it's it's a really enjoyable thing to watch, but at the same time if you think about it it's also a bit of a wasted opportunity.
0: I I wouldn't say so. I would say that I would say that those there's, there's late the later ones have tended to be there's 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 in my opinion there's a lot more wasted opportunities than than this one. Um. But again, you've seen the three doctors, which which you said is a lot better. So maybe I'm not the best person to judge from that perspective.
1: I think I just enjoyed the three doctors sure. a bit more because huh? the the fact there's just the two of them.
0: Yep. And there's that, that of the it. chemistry between them as well. Yeah. What to be said for that?
1: As William Hartnell calls them, the dandy and the clown. Yep. <laughs> and also when when Patrick Trouton goes into Pertwee's tardis, uh-huh. he says, "Oh, you've you've redecorated." <laughs> I I don't like it.
0: <laughs> Which... Which is then repeated in Day of the Doctor. Yep. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, guys, so we'll take a short break and then we'll be back to discuss um what are we back to discuss oh um Uh, oh the the 1996 movie movie. but but should we should
1: we should we try and get back to our own time whilst the the break's going on
0: i think that would be an idea
1: okie doke let's let's see where we end up
0: okay so we'll be back some point in the future Guys, and we're back. Um, where are we go? Uh,
1: it turns out we're in the year 2525.
0: Wow, has uh, anything much changed?
1: Uh, the Tories are still in. Oh. But uh, Barack Obama is uh, just starting his 105th term.
0: Good news. Good news. Okay. Um. So bit of crack on, I suppose then. Um. So oh, we're gonna.
1: Wait a minute. He it appears that it's. It's only his left finger that has survived, and it's just sitting on a big red button.
0: Right, okay. And it's, unfortunately, his left finger is his most evil of fingers. It is. Oh, that's shit. So.
1: That's that's what his wife was telling me.
0: (laughs) So, Doctor Who from 1996...
1: You won't believe what he does with his left finger.
0: That's enough. So... (laughs) Doctor Who from nineteen ninety six, um, it stars. It was directed by Jeffrey Sachs, mm. and it stars uh, Paul McGann as the Doctor, stars Sylvester McCoy as the Doctor, Daphne Ashbrook as Doctor Grace Holloway,
1: another Doctor, yep. the three Doctors.
0: Ah, there you go. <laughs> Eric Roberts as the Master. Ye
1: g so as Chang Lee.
0: There we go, well done, Gil. Okay, so co produced by the BBC and America's Fox Network. Lots of good stuff coming out from them. Yep. Um, the <laughs> the two hour movie Doctor Who was an attempt to revive the phenomenally popular science fiction series, which originally ran from 1963 to 1989. Sylvester McCoy, the last of seven actors to play the Doctor, here repeats his familiar role albeit briefly, and as much as he is shot by a San Francisco street gang member on the eve of the 21st century. Rushed to a hospital, the Doctor undergoes his 8th regeneration, whereupon Paul McGann takes over the role. Now the Doctor must do battle with his long-term foe, the Master, to prevent the latter from harnessing the Time World's Eye of Harmony for his own nefarious purposes. Only one problem. The Doctor is suffering from amnesia and has no idea who he is, of what he is supposed to do.
1: Is that a euphemism? <laughs> he wants his eye of harmony.
0: <laughs> right, that's enough. <laughs> that's so... enough. That's enough! you made me miss.
1: Actually, uh, whilst we're uh, referencing American Werewolf in London there, I was watching... It was one of the Matt Smith episodes, but uh, uh-huh. as Clara was leaving the TARDIS... Mm-hmm. She turned around to him and said, "See you next Wednesday." Ah,
0: there we go. It's <laughs> a nice reference to John Landis. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Gil, what, what were your views on this one? Uh,
1: I remember just being so excited when it was uh, when it was getting closer to the broadcast date. Sure. And, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, then just thinking, Eric Roberts, you fucking dick. <laughs> but it's, it's also not entirely his fault. Uh-huh. T- to be fair, for uh, for a Doctor Who episode, the the whole thing is quite badly written. You know, it's uh-huh. like I'd, you were watching it last night. You sent me a message on Facebook saying oh, he's just got to the hospital. Uh, uh-huh. What was it you called it? Uh, Ex- exposition City Hospital. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, yeah
1: uh-huh. it's it, see when they brought Doctor Who back in two thousand and five, uh-huh. they they didn't put like a massive amount of exposition into the first episode, and they they really. I think they just kind of felt like, well, it's Doctor Who. Everybody knows what Doctor Who is. Sure. And this just feels like they've kind of gone, we're going to have to explain absolutely everything.
0: Oh, and they did. (laughs) And
1: it it just, it takes, like, 90% of the film.
0: Yeah, it does. It does.
1: Technically, Matt Smith is the the last time the Doctor can regenerate. He's, like... The result of the twelfth regeneration that we've seen from the Doctor.
0: Sure. So there can be t- there can be thirteen, right?
1: Yeah, but there can only be twelve regenerations. Ah, so, right. Okay. So so technically, the fact that we know Peter Capaldi is playing the Doctor, Peter mm-hmm. Capaldi is playing like an impossible Doctor because we've had twelve regenerations. So, you know, how are they going to work that out? But that's okay because the nineteen ninety six film mm-hmm. makes it perfectly fine you know yep. when the time lords run out of regenerations he turns into like a fucking bit of stupid slime in a box <laughs> and if he gets out that box you know <laughs> 13 more lives to go
0: the regeneration riddle will be solved during the christmas special so they're going to deal with that during the christmas special of of 2013 so that's quite interesting
1: i've got a theory on what it is
0: right you you lay it down
1: Regenerations are all uh-huh. kind of uh, overseen by Gallifrey. So if <laughs> Gallifrey's not there, it can it can't like limit you.
0: <laughs> okay. It's,
1: it seems like a perfectly easy <laughs> easy sure. plot device.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. You know, oh,
1: I should be dead, but oh wait a minute. The rest of the Time Lords aren't here so Okay,
0: sure. Um, I mean this one comparing it to other I mean, Doctor Who is such a a British uh, series and I think that's why it's kind of well-loved in America is because people have this kind of idea of a kind of British adventurer um, within a British context, um, travelling through time and and having adventures and things like that. This puts Doctor Who in an American context that's based in San Francisco. Fox co-produced it. But ratings, ratings in the UK were huge, like nine point something million. Uh, but in the UK, in the US, it absolutely flopped. So um, perhaps the reason why Doctor Who is so popular is because it's something other, something British that people want to kind of be a part of. From that side, that's uh, I I don't I don't know. I mean, that's just my kind of thinking. But
1: I don't know because would that really affect ratings though? Because I, I you know
0: well I suppose if people have seen it, then they would if people weren't watching it then then they um, can they can't tell yeah, sure, sure. I mean just considering how huge it is just now, considering how huge Dr who is right now in the states and yeah. um, compared to compared to this, that's just my kind of thinking from that side. but I suppose um, another thing I suppose here is that nobody kind of recognized the Eccleston doctor over here. They just don't. They don't seem to kind of, like the people that I've spoken to. Um, they kind of acknowledge that he's there, but it's really Matt Smith and David Tennant that they're interested in. So whether having that wee bit of time to build up momentum for the series, I don't know.
1: I I, I think know. that the one of the main strengths of the the Eccleston era,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even though it's pretty short, is that it introduces the the really long story arc that that is kind of woven throughout the other episodes. I mean, they had done stuff like that previously. Like, There's an entire Colin Baker season, which is basically just one long story. But in the way that they treated it when they brought Doctor Who back, it's been a benefit in a way, but at the same time, it's also a bit of a curse because now everything has to build up to something that sure. when you watch the finale of a season, you go back and you go, Oh, there's a, there's a hidden reference there and yep, yep. everything. But you know, how long can you keep doing that mm-hmm. before people start going? Oh.
0: Okay. Self-referential, you've just peeled up your own ass type, type thing.
1: Not even, not even the self-referential thing, but just the too many I, whales almost. Just, but even just uh how many times can he finish a big adventure and then go through a bunch of small adventures that are encompassed in what turns out to be a bigger adventure. Sure. Yeah, again. But there are some writing flaws in the first Eccleston episode as well. Really? Because Yeah, because he he meets Rose and uh-huh. is supposedly unaware of what he even looks like. Right. But, but then in subsequent episodes they are discovering like uh, references to things that he had done long before he would even met Rose.
0: Sure, like he's at the JFK assassination and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: and there's a picture right. of him uh-huh. on the Titanic and all uh-huh, this stuff. Right. So
0: uh-huh.
1: you're kind of thinking, well, you, so you did all this stuff before you met Rose but you never looked at your face. Right. <laughs> that's I'd say that's my only real gripe with the Mm-hmm. Years, the years that when it brings Eccleston in as the Doctor, it kind of treats it like this is his first adventure,
0: uh-huh.
1: as opposed to it being just our first adventure with him.
0: With him, yeah.
1: Sure. That sounded way too mature for me. I should, like, put some <laughs> dick and fart <laughs> jokes in.
0: <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. But,
1: but yeah, I I think the, the, the biggest problem that I have with this is that it shows... In the last half hour, that Paul McGann could have been quite a, oh, absolutely an enjoyable doctor to absolutely. to watch. But it takes
0: so long to get there though because everything's yeah. kind of uh The I mean Grace Holloway, you can understand why she's there, um, but uh, she's abysmal, man. She's really bad, and it's. You don't feel anything for her, I'm afraid. You There's kind of like really lame jokes they are just like, it's like Bridget jones Just like, oh, finally meet the man of my dreams and he's a time traveller or something like that. And loads of things, loads of bits and pieces like that. And I just, oh, God.
1: Yeah, I finally meet the man of my dreams and he can travel anywhere in space and time.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Something's oh, a wait a pe- minute. That
1: sounds even more awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Eric Roberts as the master. Um, that was that was dreadful. But, I mean...
1: So bad.
0: Seen that on paper. Seen Eric Roberts as the master on paper. um to me that sounds Burn like burning a...
1: that piece of paper
0: no no i think that sounds like a great proposition and then it's just like it's totally rubbish <laughs> absolutely awful
1: it's um, so bad you don't even you don't even get an idea for what the master is meant to be you know uh-huh. like all of a sudden he's able to spit venom that blights uh-huh. people
0: and you know like, oh, where the fuck is this coming from it's like johnny cage playing reptile <laughs>
2: Ah, oh,
1: yes. It's it is just really unfortunate that they spend so much time kind of messing about and going this is how things are, and then the central plot essentially is that to fix the Tardis, the Doctor has to find the most advanced clock the Earth has
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the year two thousand. Yep. Now, he can travel anywhere in space and time. He's been everywhere. You'd think that the most advanced clock that Earth has in the year 2000 is also the least advanced wristwatch we have in the year 5000. <laughs> and he's probably yeah. already got one. you kind of like, why does he have to go at this clock? And you yeah. just, you just start going, I don't care. I really I I don't offer people jelly babies all you fucking want all I'm looking for is for you and the master to have to have a proper like big face off and instead what do we get for the face off we've got the doctor immobilised and just shouting exposition at people who are currently feeling drowsy do
0: you know what is good though the I think the set design for this was excellent. Like the TARDIS, I thought was great, um, and it looked cinematic. Uh, it showed a lot of promise in my opinion, and that that was kind of let down, I think, uh, by everything else.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting. The that, that was one of the things that I noticed when I was watching this is that this is the like the set design that we have for the TARDIS now uh-huh. is obviously quite heavily influenced by the set design. For the sure. Tardis in this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: although they have kind of gone, let's let's make it look less like an fucking airport hangar.
0: <laughs> you know, but I thought the- it was great, like having Sylvester McCoy sitting reading like the Time Machine and a kind of study area and stuff. That was great, and then like using the using the Tardis and oh man, I loved all that stuff. That was so good. And it would, as you as we kind of you and I had, had discussed this before we started and. You had said that, well, it would have been good if we'd seen more Sylvester McCoy. Um, and I agree, but, I mean, we were 25 minutes before we saw Paul McGann. So you're nearly a quarter of the way through the movie before um, before you get the, the central character uh, even coming into it. Um,
1: I, I just think it's a horrible way to, to write him out.
0: Uh-huh, I agree, I agree. it could have done something with him. It's just uh, probably, again, his face didn't fit. He was there for the reasons that he was there, and that was that. Um,
1: And what we get now is he walks out of the TARDIS and is immediately gunned down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's
1: the sort of thing that Doctor Who managed to go 26 years off (laughs) without it ever happening, and he was faced with far greater enemies than Than a bunch bunch of gangs with AKs or Bukis or whatever they had.
0: Yeah. And I mean the I mean the the central uh, one of the central characters is Lee. Um, as I say, he's not he's not mentioned anywhere on the, the <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes page, but he has one of the kind of most important characters in it. But we're not really given any any kind of understanding as to oh well we are, but it just it falls on its arse, where they try to explain why he's following the master, why he he believes the master, um like they obviously make out like he's got no future in san francisco so he needs to the doctor's gonna offer him a new life or sorry the master's gonna offer him a new life if he helps him out and that side of things it just for me that it was underdeveloped we didn't see that kind of conflict his character was completely two-dimensional like insanely two-dimensional um he's a trope (laughs) sure Yep. absolutely uh, so for for me, that was one of the biggest flaws, was just the, the, the lack of respect paid to, to that, all the, all the kind of effort put into that.
1: Yeah, now see, if it had started with him and showing us that he's got this difficult life that he voluntarily wants to escape from, then that might have been different, but we don't. He's just kind of there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And he's he's there to rob the Doctor, and then has this Kind of Chan's meeting with the the master again, and the master's like, "Oh well, I'll be your boss you about." Uh-huh. And he goes, "Yeah, fine, whatever."
2: <laughs> and then the
1: doctor goes, "No, he's a dick." There, and you just you just don't have any, you don't care about Grace, you don't care about Chang Lee, and by the end of it. Because the master is so poorly portrayed, uh-huh. you've, you've kind of almost stopped caring about the doctor.
0: Sure, sure. So, I mean, yeah, this, this one's it's interesting for what it is. Um, it's obviously a big budget effort um, compared to, for example, the 1993 Dimensions in Time. <laughs> it's a completely different character it's a completely different creature and I think it's good that they tried to give this respect and they tried to give the series it was an attempt to reboot the series to give it the kind of respect that it deserved um, but in my opinion it, it failed uh, terribly Um, to, to really do anything of interest with the story and Eric Robots was atrocious in it it really was Yeah.
1: what the really the main problem with this is that they they tried to aim it at a new audience that would include that mostly would include adults because i think they were aiming sure. it as pre- at previous doctor who fans sure but at the same time they got so worried that their kids wouldn't like it that they explained everything so essentially what you've got is a, a doctor who film which is being aimed at adults but you're being spoken down to like you're a child. Sure.
0: So there's an issue of tone as much as anything with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's just uh, really unfortunate because it it could have been great.
0: Sure. So, Paul, Gil, you...
1: Paul McGann's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Paul McGann obviously uh, reprised his role. Uh, he, we've, we've discussed that he was in a, involved in a number of audio uh, adventures as the Doctor, but he recently uh, reprised his role in Night of the Doctor, which was a seven-minute prequel uh, to the day of the Doctor. Um, now, Gil, did you get a chance to watch this?
1: I did, yep. And uh-huh. I, I thought it was, it was really nice for two reasons. Well, actually, three. Because, uh-huh. uh, firstly, it was nice to, to give the, the Paul McGann incarnation of the Doctor just that bit of closure
0: Absolutely.
1: And to show that he had kind of moved on from the horrible film, which is actually, I I don't mind watching the film, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, I just feel empty when it's finished. (laughs)
0: Sure, sure.
1: But to see the fact that he has kind of gone on from that to become more like the Doctor you'd expect him to be. Yep. And uh, a thing that a lot of fans have been going on about Is the because I don't really listen to the audio adventures, Uh but uh, he name checks a Uh whole bunch of the companions from the audio adventures.
0: Fantastic! Wow!
1: And just through doing that, that enters those audio adventures into canon. Canon, fantastic! But also uh, the woman that he's speaking to Uh is Claire Higgins course uh, julia from hellraiser and hellraiser
0: 2 oh wow so there, there you go wow
1: so i thought it was it was nice to to see her and something again
0: and it's got that line um yes i'm a doctor but not the one you're expecting which i thought was brilliant yeah
2: um,
0: and it really it, it fed in really nicely to hyping up the hyping up the day of the doctor and i thought paul mcgann was great and it was uh, there's, there's been that kind of rumbling discussion about the possibility of Paul McGann coming back for a, a se- a kind of spin off series. Um. Seems unlikely that's going to happen now, but I thought, you know, I thought it was so good, and it was great to great to see him doing his thing. Um. So yeah, I thought it was great. And, yeah. And I mean the the, I mean the the central thing is he's trying to rescue a pilot, um, who's who's, cra- who's. Plane is crashing, um. But obviously she finds out he's a Time world and refuses completely refuses his help, because of the events that have happened in the Time War, and Paul McGann looks, more haggard. He looks more, uh, ravaged by war. Yeah. Um. So it was, and it was it was great to see that, and then obviously we got the the regeneration from, uh, the Eighth Doctor to the Wall Doctor, um, which ever do kind of marked out about so yeah that was great
1: well I'd, I'd already kind of lost my shit over John Hart appearing in this
0: name of the doctor sure it's always great to see John Hart
1: but even when you when you see him from the back oh you're really yeah that's that's John
0: Hart and he looks awesome the character design is just so good for, the, for John Hart right with his faux hawk oh man yeah absolutely he just looks amazing
1: Yep, and it's at first I was thinking they should do a whole series with John Hurt, but I think later on we'll probably end up discussing how it's actually just awesome that they put him in for what they put him in for.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay guys. Um so that was the nineteen eighty six Doctor Who. Um so we'll take a short break then and we'll try to we'll go try back to our own time. Yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. It Again, would help. Yeah, try harder, Gil.
1: I'm just, I'm trying as hard as I can. And
0: and we're back. Uh Gil, where where are we?
1: Uh I I'm not actually sure. I think I think my watch is broken. I, I how how can we tell?
0: Well oh, we could maybe try and see what's on the radio.
1: That that's a good as long as it's still got radio.
0: Okay, well let's give it a try. Okay.
2: Take a journey. Phantom X 3000 as he explores the last 1,000 years of horror. 1,000 films to be explored, each one with the related themes, actors and directors that made the last millennium of horror cinema so great. Travel the world from Franco Germany, Teutonic France, Berlusconia to Switzerland. The People's Republic of North America and everywhere in between, with no stone left unturned. From old classics like Robot Hitler vs. the Ghosts of Mars, Manborg, and Wednesday the 18th Hexadecology, to new favorites like Stabface Rides Again, Sisters of Steel, and Cloverfield 2. The androids are locked up the giant radiated ants are asleep, and the Department of Correction have slain their last group of Pluritarians for the night. So take the claw of the Phantom X3000 and the newly sentient Lester Reaper, as this is one time travel experience you won't want to miss. Ron Paul 3012.
1: Oh, Phantom right. Fan- Eric's still doing his thing.
0: Oh, there you go. Good for him. So year three thousand, has anything much else happened? That's anything else different?
1: Uh, not much has changed, but we live underwater.
0: Oh well, there you go. So, yeah, mental.
1: So we appear to be going in the wrong way. I'll, we I'll seem get, to be.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll I'll rack my brains and see if I can figure out any sort of way to to get us back.
0: Okay, cool. So in the meantime, uh, let's discuss if you will um let's i will (laughs) let's discuss doctor who the day of the doctor um it stars matt smith david tennant and john hart all as the doctor Uh, it stars billy piper as kind of as rose but not really
1: no Um, bad, bad wolf girl
0: bad wolf girl yeah absolutely um so uh, as we've said before, it's, it has a, a cameo, spoiler alert, of uh, Tom Baker.
1: You know how like, we usually go, oh, this film was released within the last five years, we can't spoil it. Yeah. This was this was shown within the last five days, and I think well, if anybody hasn't watched it, then they're not going to watch it. I think... I, it's their fault.
0: No, I, I, I don't... I, I mean, like, for me, I was... Obviously, I was waiting on the... Um, it was broadcast... By BBC America in the United States at the same time as it was broadcast in the the UK, broadcast all over the world. There were certain cinemas that were showing it at two thirty p.m. whatever the local time was, they were, they were showing it at the same time as it was being broadcast here in, uh, upstate New York. Um, there there were, uh, very. I mean, there it was basically you couldn't get to see it unless you travelled to New York City, um, but Albany had a screening on the monday night so i was kind of trying to avoid spoilers for those two days and it's like absolutely impossible just going on facebook straight away first message tom baker take a bow and you're like right okay <laughs> you know thanks george um so <laughs> nice one um so yeah uh that it, it's been kind of hard to avoid spoilers um i i Don't want us to spoil it too much because it's, uh, uh, in my opinion, it was excellent. It was very, very well made.
1: It's full of geek references as well. Within the first two minutes, Uh there's quite a few references that are just stuck in there for the fans. And there's one that is stuck in there for the completely
0: anally retentive. Right. Okay. Do you want to share those with us?
1: Well, there's the, the obvious one, because they even had it in the, the trailer. Like the, There's a, a sign advertising I.M. Foreman the uh-huh. scrapyard, which sure. is a 76 Totters Lane, uh-huh. which is where uh, the first ever episode of Doctor Who is kind of set there. Right. And that sign is just outside Coal Hill Secondary School. Uh-huh. Now, Coal Hill Secondary School is the school that Susan, that's the school that she went to. Mm -hmm. And it's also the school that one of my favourite Sylvester McCoy serials, the Remembrance of the Daleks, Daleks, is is based around, because also it's the the first time we see Special Weapons Dalek, which is an awesome-looking Dalek. Sure. But that's all set in... uh, 1963 roundabout the Coal Hill School, and it also has at one point in that series, they're leaving a room and the television is on, and it's uh, five sixteen pm on Saturday the twenty third of November. It's time for a new, sure yep. new series, and the the scene cuts just as he he goes. Yeah, on the on the Coal Hill School sign,
0: uh-huh.
1: it says uh, "Chairman of the Governors, I Chesterton."
0: Ah, right, okay.
1: Of course, Ian Ian Chesterton, who was one of the the travelling companions of the Doctor from the the very first episode.
0: Right. Wow. Uh huh. Fantastic.
1: And also, as uh, Clara Oswald, this is the one that's so geeky that I didn't notice it. Sure. As she uh, gets on her motorbike to ride out of the school gates, mm-hmm. there's a clock, and it's set to 5.16. Sure, so that
0: was the time that it would have been...
1: The time the first episode was broadcast.
0: Mental. There we go.
1: It was just a complete fucking geek fest,
2: to yeah, be absolutely. fair.
0: Now, the the thing that I would point out to anybody is that, um, I mean, I was going into it from a perspective of having, well, seen the Sylvester McCoy series, seen the Eccleston series, seen bits and pieces over the course of my life, but not really being a massive fan of Doctor Who. Um, I went into the day of the Doctor with very limited knowledge um, of the Doctor Who universe, but I feel that they managed to, set the balance exceptionally well and bringing in people who maybe only knew the new series, people who maybe only knew the older series. There was nothing there to wrap to f- for them. And for people who were just coming in completely uh, with a very limited knowledge of the Doctor Who universe with, yes. with virtually none, I think they managed to strike the, the balance absolutely perfectly. um, And for, for that alone, I think it was exceptionally well written. I
1: completely agree. I think that this is a an episode that was that was made for just anyone that happened to be watching it. Sure. It was also uh, record breaking as well because it's the because of the the kind of simulcast cast around the world. I think it was ninety four countries.
0: Yep. Well, they were saying that they almost made more than the Hunger Games, um, even though it was only over only released oh, over on one day. day. On one day, yeah. Do you want to go into any of the plot details, Gil, Before we kind,
1: of- I think we sh- we should. I think we uh-huh. should talk a wee bit about it because uh, I think if you if you look at older episodes as well, Elizabeth the First gets mentioned a couple of times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a different actress appears in the the Shakespeare one,
0: Uh-huh, sure,
1: but she's she's also mentioned in several other episodes.
0: So, th- so that was uh, Joanna Page from Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. I thought it was lovely in this. Um I think she just had a baby like uh, a few months before this. Uh also they well, they said that in the, the kind of uh what do you call it? the special the special presentation at the end the making of documentary. Um, I I've, I've not seen that. I know I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You go to the cinema
1: and you get a you get a DVD extra. I watch it on the television in the country that paid for making it. <laughs> and, and what did I get to watch after this episode finished? A thing on BBC Three where Rick Edwards and Zoe Ball were so fucking incompetent that at one point Stephen Moffat was sitting with his head in his hands, shaking his fucking head, whilst John Hurt for the first time in his entire fucking life, look like that lonely pensioner who doesn't know where they are or why
0: they're there. (laughs) Oh, dear.
1: (laughs) It was so fucking bad. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: it's, it's a thing about the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, which I think, given the popularity of Doctor Who is something that people would go, I will want to see that, you know, like in 20 or 30 years time and what they're going to see is Zoe Ball and Rick Edwards going we're now going to go over to One Direction in LA to find out what they thought of the episode and people are are going to be going who the fuck are One Direction and why should we care?
0: That is the kind of short term uh, kind of view. Unfortunately, that, this type of light entertainment, and I mean the the Noel Edmonds crinkly bottom thing as well. I mean, I I watched the the presentation of uh, dimensions in time, where you get to see, uh, Noel Edmonds bringing in Tom Baker and Tom Baker. Tom, no,
1: John Pertwee.
0: Was it Pertwee? My apologies. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm, I couldn't remember offhand. But uh, anyway, Pertwee turns up at the door with a the, the Tardis and it's just terrible yeah Ter- but terrible.
1: Uh, Noel Edmonds does say to him what am I doing in 20 years time
0: you're I still just, on television still it a- was like, growing
1: <laughs> I know I, I think the Noel Edmonds just used to be passed around rooms that were filled Steady. Steady. filled filled with captive audiences <laughs> we just weren't allowed to leave. All right. <laughs> you know, what did you think I was gonna say?
0: I don't know. I thought you were gonna talk about lost profits. Uh
1: Well, uh if you want to talk about Noel Edmonds and Lost Profits, then how about uh the Mr. Blobby theme park?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. The crinkly bottom theme park, absolutely.
1: Yeah, see, huh? there you there you go. We dodged that bullet. <laughs> we did. unlike Sylvester McCoy was able to do in the Doctor Who movie unbelievably (laughs) to me
0: (laughs) there we go so at Colehouse School, teacher Clara Oswald receives a message from the 11th Doctor and returns to the TARDIS, which is unexpectedly airlifted to Trafalgar Square. Kate Stewart of the paramilitary organisation UNIT shows the Doctor preserved instructions from his previous wife, Elizabeth I of England, along with the Under Gallery, a secret vault of forbidden art housed at the National Gallery. The vault includes several works of time-world art, moments in time preserved in status that take the form of 3D pictures. One such such work, called either No More or Gallifrey Falls, shows the fall of Arcadia on the last day of the Time War, an event believed to have obliterated both the Time worlds and the Daleks from the universe. The glass from several of these pictures has been broken from within and figures in the paintings have disappeared. It transpires that the shape-shifting Zygones, preserved in status and status, stasis in the pictures, are invading, taking the forms of unit members. To defeat them, Kate plans to detonate a nuclear warhead in London from within unit's Taldus-proof black archive of Time World and other alien artefacts. So that the detonation I, wipe well. out London but save the rest of humanity.
1: That that synopsis only covers the first 55 minutes of the 75-minute <laughs> program.
0: So yeah, um If and...
1: anybody's wondering where such an awesome synopsis can be found, it's the first paragraph of plot on the <laughs> Wikipedia page. Do do you know what I really don't trust these days? Tell me. Is a quickly
0: googled <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Hypocrisy Cast here. oh, it's your- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's it's a brilliant episode. It really is. To be honest, it, it makes you think. I, actually, as somebody said, this could have been the final ever episode of Doctor Who. Sure. And it would have it would have kind of tied it up.
0: Nicely, yeah. So, I mean, at the, the, the center of all this, we've got John Hurt who's trying to make obviously make this huge decision that has dogged the three reboot doctors and um, the, the, the the basically the event that will end the Time War, um, where he uses uh, a weapon called, or a, a, a what, what do they say, is it a black weapon or a bald weapon called the.
1: It's uh, one of the weapons from the um, the Omega archive and of course uh-huh. o- Omega is one of the one of the founders of the the time Lord you know, like uh, sure. the, the hand of Omega uh-huh. is the thing that they helped create the time Lords because uh-huh. it uh, made a sun supernova all right okay and uh-huh. then then freezes. the the sun right at the moment of supernova. Right. So it is kind of everlasting source of energy. Sure. And uh, everybody thinks that using the hand of Omega actually killed Omega, but it didn't. It sent him to a universe of antimatter Mm. where everything is uh, created by his will. And that's the basis of the three doctors.
0: Ah, right. Wow. Which is really... Pretty cool. So that's great that all three have been tied up in those three episodes. Yeah, and the Hand of Omega
1: is Uh actually was hidden by the Doctor Uh on Earth at 76 Totters Lane and then revisited in Remembrance of the Daleks because in Remembrance of the Daleks, the thing that the Daleks have gone to Earth to get Uh is the Hand of Omega. Sure. I think it might have been David Tennant that said in one of the the old episodes that Time Lords created black holes. Actually I think that might be in the Satan pit. Right, okay. Where he said that that the only reason we have black holes is that Time Lords invented them.
0: Right. So I mean as as we said, that these are weapons of mass destruction that have been barred, that have been banned from being used within the war, within certain treaties have have meant that these weapons shouldn't be used but they decide basically that they're at the point where anything goes and they turn to this weapon called the moment.
1: It's a weapon that is so intelligent that it has uh, basically become sentient. Sure. And as...
0: Uh, it's got a the, conscience is what it says.
1: Yeah, as he says, and it, how could you how could you realistically use a weapon that's, that's simultaneously judging you?
0: Yeah, absolutely so john hart um, is obviously making is making that choice and or, and the moment appears in the form of rose tyler so it's a a, a face that that's i don't know if it, it wouldn't be known to him but i don't know why they why they chose that particular form um, but it was great to see uh, Billy piper as rose in this well um, the,
1: the the moment does uh, clarify that point
0: Ah right, okay. What,
1: what does it say? It it says that uh I've I've chosen uh a face from your past.
0: Uh huh, sure.
1: Or is it your future? I always ah, right, okay. mixed up. So uh-huh. John Hart is the only one that can see uh uh-huh, that's right. The the moment and uh-huh. I actually I had to sign up on the Daily Mail website to complain. <laughs> which is why we you It's wrong for so many reasons because, first, it means I was on the Daily Mail website. Uh
0: huh. But
1: uh, they'd also said that she was playing Rose Tyler. Uh huh. And that it made no sense. I said, well, she's not playing Rose Tyler, she's playing the avatar of the conscience of the moment.
0: Yep. And the avatar is in the form of Rose Tyler.
1: Yeah. But the, the person that reviewed it did also refer to the actress Clara Oswald.
0: Right. Okay. So, so somebody that's messed up.
1: And they also complained that it was on at the same time as the X Factor.
0: <laughs> You're like, what? How many? How many
1: times a year do you get to watch the fiftieth anniversary of the longest running science fiction program in the world? Exactly. Compared to how many times a year can you watch like half a dozen? fucking idiots doing cover versions of songs in a vaguely different style.
0: Yep, okay. So, the moment opens, um, it's it's described as fishers in space and time. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Um, Fishers!
1: Fishers! That's what I said. Um,
0: uh, Between these two points in the timeline, uh, an Elizabethan England, to draw in both the uh, 10th Doctor and uh, the War Doctor, oh, sorry, the 11th Doctor and the War Doctor, to where the 10th Doctor is, so that we can see that interaction between between the three, and so that John Hart can make his uh, make his decision based on that. Um, it's a brilliant plot. I thought exactly.
1: it was very really well I, written. I thought I, I was,
0: yeah, it's a great idea.
1: You know, you are about to make the, because John Hart says that when when she's talking about you know this will destroy everything and how many children are there and yep. he says I have no desire to survive this sure and the the moment decides that if he does use the moment then his punishment will be that he survives sure but at the the point where it started bringing the three of them in I was thinking. Oh, they're not going to do like a Christmas carol thing, are they?
2: Uh (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Here's here's Doctor Future and Doctor Futurer. Uh Ah. Yep. But fortunately, uh, Uh that uh, that proved to be wrong because what they did was something pretty awesome.
0: Sure. So I mean, one of my favourite bits in this is um, there's there's a point where. There's a peace treaty being negotiated between two parties. Um, and the great thing about that is it uses a kind of Rawlsian um, veil of ignorance. Uh, the kind of return to the original position whereby nobody knows uh, whether they're going to be fortunate or unfortunate. Nobody knows what their situation is going to be. So they negotiate a peace based on, based on that. And I thought that was great. I was, I was really just uh, very impressed that they, they managed to use a wee bit of political philosophy.
1: Based on that last sentence, sir, can I just uh-huh. give you a PhD now?
0: No. <laughs> but I just loved that. I thought it was so great and um, just really just tied up. I mean, I, I tried to explain this to my students and now I think I really just need to show them this episode. <laughs> because I thought it was great. It was really awesome.
1: I have, uh, unfortunately warped your fragile little mind but you're going to get to what we're going I, I'm trying to explain this political philosophy to you and you don't seem to be taking it in Doctor Who will explain it to you and if you don't get it, get out
0: yeah, it's it's, it's not exactly the same but it uses similar ideas and I thought it was great, I really enjoyed it
1: a lot of people have said that they didn't like the pacing of this, I, I think that really, just, I think the pacing was fine
0: I thought it was fantastic Yeah, I, I was going all the way along with it, I thought wow
1: but you also saw it in 3D. How was that?
0: It was excellent. It was excellent in 3D. The 3D added a lot to it, but uh, I, I still... I think that you you would have um, got just the, the same amount of enjoyment out of it in 2D, 2D, but the 3D was great. Um, It it really worked very, very well. Nothing looked out of place. It was great to see it in the context of a cinema where there's people who are getting different jokes at different times and there's, uh, like, lots of people reacting emotionally to certain things. Um, it, was, it was a great experience to see it in a, a cinema full of, uh, full of Doctor Who fans. But the one thing that I would say about that is that I didn't think there was so many white people in Albany. <laughs> it was just, like, unbelievable. I think Doctor Who's a magnet for people with uh, bad hair and scarves. Um, it was, uh, it was bizarre. So it was just what's of, what's <laughs> a nerds, but it was great. It was great to have be been amongst a group of, uh, a group of people who were all really in it for the right reasons, just in it because they, they love the show um whatever, whatever generation that was, whole families coming to see it, couples, um, and just everybody having a great time. And it was just a, a really good atmosphere. Actually, there's a woman dressed as a Taldus. A uh, blue dress, where we like a we like uh, light hat, a uh, a blue flashing light hat on and she refused to get a photo taken with anyone because she was self conscious.
1: Did you did you ask her if she was bigger on the inside?
0: <laughs> well, there was a girl there with a t shirt that said, "My boobs are bigger on the inside."
1: And you pointed out to her, "No, they're not." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um. What else do you want to talk about for with regards to that? I mean, um there's I mean there's so much. It's a dense, dense uh, I mean it is it's a film. And in a lot of respects it's a film. The production values are that of a film are uh, are certainly a very, very, very big budget uh, T V show. I dunno, don't, don't it's interesting. curious, what is the, the, the budget for this?
1: Uh I they they didn't tell me what the budget's uh-huh. going to be, but when they sent me out the the letter saying We're going to make a really big episode of Doctor Who. We're going to film it in 3D and show it in cinemas. Uh How awesome do you want it to be? I just ticked the box for...
0: Very awesome. For
1: for very awesome. uh, Good for you. I'm just just hoping that maybe in two or three weeks' time I'll get my royalties check (laughs) Because I I think it has definitely made more money than it cost. Yep. (laughs) But, you know, the the BBC uses a license fee because they don't... They don't make any money through commercials or anything.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Apart apart from the <laughs> the commercial wing of the BBC that sells oh. books, DVDs, videos, Blu-rays, action figures, soft toys, cups, mugs, coasters <laughs> uh, fucking everything. Yeah. You know, I I like to think that the, the BBC is like Vincent Gallo. Because I don't know if you know this, but Vincent Gallo has a website where he sells himself. Right. And I'm honestly not kidding. For $50,000, you get a night with Vincent Gallo. That's beautiful. He he will make all your dreams come true. As long as you're not a man. No men. Definitely no men. He keeps saying that. But lesbian couples, $100,000, that's fine. The man's insane. Yep, yep. The man is insane. (laughs) And I think that if anybody wants to spend $50,000 to spend a night with Vincent Gallo, they should just watch his film The Brown Bunny with Chloe Savoni and be like, if that's how he's going to treat me, I'm saving $50,000. So if anybody that listens to this podcast is currently going, I've got that spare $50,000. I might spend it on Vincent Gallo. (laughs) What did you... they should They should just not uh-huh. and then just send me the money as a thank you.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. This seems a little derailed. I don't know.
1: Really? For us?
0: <laughs> this, looks, this feels pretty derailed.
1: A <laughs> night with Vincent Gallows on my uh, Amazon wishlist.
0: list. <laughs> Okay. You know,
1: okay. He does he does say that it'll make your dreams come true. My dream is to spend a night punching Vincent Gallo in the face. <laughs> right. So uh I've I have been uh looking at the, the computations. Oh
0: uh-huh, sure.
1: And uh I think that the uh-huh. the problem is that, you know, I fucked everything up by going back to nineteen sixty three and mm-hmm. kind of busking modern well songs from 2013 and uh-huh. then just becoming like a global phenomenon. And I think that just basically the entire entity known as Doctor Who has become pissed off at me. Right. So I think what I have to do is uh, to to take the music from Doctor Who uh-huh. and maybe some music from, from around about our time mm. and try and combine the two. As, like, a massive apology.
0: Oh, do you know who I like? You could use, like, uh, Nine Inch Nails.
1: It would need to be a track that's in 7-4 timing, I think, for the bit Ah. of music that I'm...
0: Uh...
1: (gasps) March of the Pigs is in 7-4 timing. Why don't we try that?
0: What are the chances?
1: We'll give it a go.
0: Well, we can only try.
1: We are very trying. (laughs) Stand
2: right up
1: worked. I never thought I'd be happy to see the news that there was a fucking Tory Lib Dem government in the UK ever. But it turns out it's the right one.
0: Fantastic man. Fantastic.
1: But but (laughs) we're in August.
0: Ah. Ah shit. So we've recorded this episode so maybe we should just hold it back till after the Doctor Who special was aired and then release it then even though it's episode 48
1: yeah that, that's that's what we'll do because see if if we brought this out just now
0: uh-huh
1: and you well, know spoil like, it wouldn't
0: it we don't uh, want to spoil it for people do we
1: spoilers yeah exactly as River Song would say
0: exactly <laughs> exactly so
1: yeah, yeah uh, we have to sit on this
0: yeah it's gonna be
1: hard I'm not even touching that sentence <laughs>
0: Okay. Um. So, Gail, is there any Have you got anything further that you'd want to to add about uh the about day of the doctor?
1: Uh, I I just think that it was a really really nice, respectfully... I think it's the best of the multi doctor stories.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, I've not seen three doctors, but yeah, for the ones that I've seen, it's it's definitely the best.
1: It might be the the most satisfying special they've ever done
0: okay cool
1: I think uh, including like just series finales and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know because they do quite often like one of the things that was that was very much a problem for people during the the Russell T Davis era was that you would get to a certain point where it was like he liked to put the doctor in a corner and then there would be this like uh, DSX moment Mm-hmm. And this feels like they've managed to do the Deus Ex moment, but without it being that.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: You know, because the fact that they will supposedly not be able to remember anything is a mm-hmm. consequence. But I'm not entirely clear on whether or not Matt Smith's doctor will be able to remember anything. I
0: think Matt Smith's doctor would.
1: I I think that it would, but there yep. seems to be a lot of people that. That, seem, that have this idea that because John Hurt and David Tennant oh. said oh I won't be able to remember this will I that that means the Matt, Smith, Matt Smith wouldn't but I I think that this because of the way it's enveloped like as a Matt Smith episode
0: mm-hmm.
1: that that's kind of already insinuating that Matt Smith is going to be fully aware of everything that happened within that.
0: Sure.
1: Because some people have said, oh, well, if he's going to go and look for Gallifrey, then that's going to have to be like because Clara said, let's go and look for Gallifrey, but that doesn't work. Because, yeah. you know, if they can't remember, she can't remember.
0: Let's, let's just forget about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's I spent true, too much
0: it's... too much of my youth thinking about Bill and Ted and Back to the Future and trying to work out what people different people would remember and what they wouldn't remember. So let's uh, let's just not go there. um Let's leave that to to wiser minds than ours on internet forums everywhere.
1: Yeah, because there's lots of them. You know, there are lots of them. We are just horror hipsters.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So on that with, note... With our special shoes. Special. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much indeed for listening to this very special episode of Gill Roscoe's Bodacious Horror podcast. Um, we hope you enjoyed it and uh, that you, you got as much out of it as we did. Um, I think this has been a lot of fun. I've, I've, we hope I've, you're still alive. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think everything should be more or less the same as when we left.
1: You think? Um,
0: yeah, I think so. I think so. Unless everyone's get tails or something. That would be bad.
1: I did actually. Wait a second. Let's quickly jump back to 1963 because we might we could just be rambling nonsense. Uh-huh. At the moment, so. Right, we're back in 1963. I'll just quickly open the door. Oi. Very Verity Lambert, that program, The that guy was talking about with the old man in the box. Do it. Honestly, it'd be awesome. It'd be really good. Right, I, I think we might have just secured everything.
0: That's so crazy.
1: Quite jump back to 2013.
0: And- I don't see much point. <laughs> I think we'll uh, leave it at that this evening, folks.
1: Well, we just stay in the 60s. and we can, we can go and see the Rolling Stones.
0: Exactly, exactly, when they're still good. Yeah. So, guys, thank you very much indeed for listening to us, and we'll be back next week with some more bodaciousness. And if you've enjoyed the show, uh, please leave us a positive message on iTunes. It would be very much appreciated. You can find us on Twitter, at Bodacious Horror, and...
1: At Gil Rokitansky
0: Absolutely. We're on Facebook. Uh, if you go to Bodacious Horror, but most importantly, if you go to bodacioushorror.co.uk, you'll find everything that you need to know about us and relating and pertaining to Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror podcast
1: and Christmas wish lists.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for listening and goodbye. Night night.
2: Thank mm-hmm.